Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I'm Johnny Knott, joined tonight by Ron Luce. Tonight, we're talking about a Blackhawks loss, a overtime loss against the Minnesota Wild. Final score was 3-2 to two, up from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ron, first of all, how you doing, man? Um, Aside from wanting to throw something with Eric Gustafson's face on it off the wall, I'm doing really good. How are you, sir? Yeah, I, I got to say, I feel the exact same way. Uh, we were kind of discussing this right before we came on. You had asked if I chucked something, and I said, no, it was just my mouse that I was setting down, uh, getting set up for the show, pulling up all the tabs that I need uh, to provide the information necessary. Uh, I was not throwing something, but I might as well have been uh, throwing something with Eric Gustin's name, number, face, whatever, on it at the wall because um, we'll get to it eventually, but that was... Uh, Ended up being the culprit in overtime. I think we can both agree on that before we even start this thing, uh, Ron. But like I said, uh, we will get to that down the road here. Um, Let's start this thing off from the beginning, do a little chronologically. Um, Blackhawks did not show up for the first period uh, whatsoever. Uh, This thing was totally lopsided in Minnesota's favor. Uh, You look at the possession metrics here. 73.53% Corsi 4 for the Wilds as opposed to 26.47 for the Blackhawks in that opening frame. Uh, It was a 9-0 shot advantage for Minnesota before the Hawks even got one on net. Uh, Just a slow, sloppy start. But luckily for them, that didn't even result in the goal against. Uh, They were able to mitigate that completely. Uh, And obviously you want a better start to set the tone more. But uh, Ron, in the first period, I was just kind of bamboozled because I thought that, you know, this team should be a team that should have come out fresh, uh, especially after the elongated break that they had. They played Saturday night at Arizona, and then they had, you know, a couple days off in between this one before. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was just the case of, like, too much time off because he had another two, ga- uh, two days in between games. Um, I don't know. I really don't know what it was. But, yeah, they just I, – I mean, I remember looking at the stats. I, I went to, you know – mentioned something to my mom and I'm sitting there and I look down at the the shot totals through two periods and the Hawks had 14 shots on net through two periods and I was just like what is going on you know they were just they like you said they looked sluggish all the numbers support it I mean they that opening period was bad um and I mean admittedly I don't think the second period was all that much better yeah, you know, I'm with you. The second period definitely wasn't better. It was at least not as lopsided, uh, I guess. But that's also, you know, when you don't take the first uh, 10 minutes off, so to say, uh, in the opening of a frame, I guess it's bound to be better than uh, what that first one was. Uh, but yeah, even in that second one there, uh, you're talking about uh, scoring chances five to two in favor of Minnesota there. Uh, three two in favor of high danger high high danger chances in that middle frame. Uh, also the Corsi advantage fifty six point five two to forty three point four eight for the Blackhawks in that one. Uh, that was the period where Minnesota struck and they struck twice there. Kevin Fiala both times. Uh, Ron former Predator here. Um, he, he was able to have the Hawks number tonight, and we will talk about it later down the stretch here too. But uh, it seemed like he you know he he's got the legs to be able to find the space and create it for himself yeah 100 percent. and can can we also just make note of how fast he is his wheels are unbelievable you know who he kind of reminds me of and this is not at all i think he talent wise is is a better player but he reminds me a lot of Vinny hinastroza as just one of those guys with that elite speed and he if he could ever put together the hands with the speed He's going to be unbelievable. Now you're mm-hmm. starting to see it, I think, come into his own after he left Nashville. 
because he's now starting to play in more of a top six role in Minnesota. You know, he's seeing more minutes. Um, but wow, I mean, every time he's running all over the ice, he was unbelievable. I mean, he's just he's everywhere. You know, tonight I'm, I'm looking it up right now. He played just under 16 minutes. Um, obviously had those two goals, five shots on net. I, I'm pretty 95% sure. Yes. Confirmed. Uh, that yeah. led the wild in, in shots, um, for any player. So a lot of anyone in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, he was all over the place. You saw him in that overtime period too. I know we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but uh, he was just all over the place. And, you know, he, he's definitely been a guy, even when he was in Nashville, he was a Hawks killer. So, um, yeah. you know, him remaining in the division is, you're starting to see, you know, why I think a lot of Hawks fans don't like watching him play um, unless yeah. it's a neutral game when the Wild are playing anybody other than the Blackhawks because he's really, really good. And I'm telling you, he's still really young, too. I, I'm pulling up his age, actually, as we speak. I mean, he is. Yeah, he's only 23 years old. And this guy's yeah. still going to put it together. I mean, everybody was kind of writing him off because he was up at like age 19 and 20 in Nashville, you know. If he can continue to put that speed together, you're going to see a lot more of these type of two-goal games for him. He's already got 11 on the year. He's probably going to be a 20-goal scorer this year, maybe 25 if he gets really hot here in the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, he just, oh, man, he he yeah. really took it to him. Ron, this isn't supposed to be the Kevin Fiala praise hour, but just another comment on him while we're talking about him. Uh, just for the record, his goals were um, first one unassisted at 353 mark of the second period, and then the second one from Zucker and Dumb on a power play at 1508 of that second period as well. Um, so Kevin Fiala, two Blackhawks, zero through two periods of play in this one. But just going back to him uh, himself, and you're talking about, you know, not wanting to see him, not wanting to play against him. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but he broke his leg uh, in the first round against the Blackhawks in 2016-17 uh, in that playoff series uh, with the Preds. So it's amazing to see that speed is still there, uh, even after suffering. I believe it was a pretty significant break that set him out for a decent amount of time. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, bad dreams coming back to haunt you once again. Um, seriously, that's seriously what it feels like uh, with Kevin Fiala seeing him up on the wild now instead of down at Nashville. So, um, right, let's get to this third period then, because uh, not a whole lot, not a lot on the uh, Blackhawks front to talk about uh, from these first two. So um, we'll get down to it. Adam Boquist, uh, I guess the story of the third period for the Blackhawks was get pucks to the net, good things happen. Uh, Adam Boquist kind of throws one from the point um, through, you know, maybe a couple of not real screen set up, but bodies uh, out towards the front of the net, whether that be Minnesota defender, uh, yeah, Minnesota defenders or, uh, you know, Blackhawks kind of skating by the net. Um, but Boquist finds the back of the net there, his third goal of the season, uh, third of his career at the 623 mark of the uh, third period there, assist from Keith and Saad on that one. Of course, your guy Saad had to get on the score sheet once again. Classic. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be another uh, game back from his injury if he did not get on the score sheet, I don't think. Um, and, and, and another one, Olimata just throwing it from that left kind of half wall area, and it found the back of the net on a bad angle. Uh, that was from Gustafson and Doc at 1650 uh, of the third. But um, let's go back and uh, take away your observations from either of these goals, Ron. Yeah, I think uh, just quickly on the Boakfast goal, I, I like that he's shooting a lot more because, you know, he he doesn't necessarily have like, I mean, he's got a nice slap shot, but it's not a world beater slap shot. It's not a Shea Weber slap shot. It's not an OB slap shot. He's got a really like sneaky, deceptive wrister, though. Um, and you saw a lot of it tonight. And obviously, I think on that play, 
one of the, whoever the wild defender was out in front of Bofus, I think, I think that puck gets just a little bit of him just to change the angle slightly mm. uh, as it came in on Staylock. But uh, nonetheless, he gets his third of the season. That's great to see. I love seeing Sod on the score sheet. I do believe uh, going back to uh, when Tony and I last did this, I think my uh, or when we did four feathers, excuse me, uh, I think my stick to click for Saturday's game was Sod. So um, I just want to make note of that that I I Classic. crushed it on that pick. And he's you know ever since he's come back from injury, he's been a man possessed offensively. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it has been. Um, I think he's been in put in good situations. Obviously, playing with Kane certainly helps. Uh, and then even tonight, you know, playing a little bit with uh, with Kane and Taves then at, at points throughout the game. But then, yeah, that Ole Modigal, kind of the same thing. Just, you know, that shift. And I sent our group the the message after that shift. I said, mm-hmm. hell of a fucking shift because, well, oh, oh, sorry, you got to mark this explicit. Because, uh, you're good. you know, the, that Doc Debrinkit Strom line was just balls to the walls, forechecking like an SOB. Doc had a heck of a third period, too. We got to mention that, oh, yeah. that almost goal that he had where he was literally screaming just F, 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 F as he's going back to the bench because he knows he should have finished on that. But, I mean, heck of a third period for that entire line. They kept it in the zone on multiple opportunities when Minnesota tried to clear it. And then, yeah, you know, Doc gets it back to Gustafson at the point. Gus, you know, I don't even know if it was – I don't even necessarily remember fully. Oh, it was a shot, yeah, and he just totally misses the net, but the rebound comes out. Mata pinches, like you said, on that left-wing half wall, and he just rips it over Stalock's shoulder. Looks like Debrinkit and whoever the defender was matched up on him uh, kind of you know blocked Stalock just enough so he couldn't see that coming in. Um, and, yeah, Ole Mata gets his fourth in the night. So two defensemen scoring. Um Two guys in Saad and Doc getting their ninth ninth assists of the season for each of them, which I think is kind of ironic, and um, two defensemen also on the primary assists. So it's kind of kind of funny how those shaped out, but they got yeah. right back in it, and the momentum was certainly in the Hawks' favor there in the third period. Yeah, absolutely. Someone that you had mentioned in that uh, sequence there was Kirby Doc, and he had himself one hell of a third period. Um, I, honestly, overall for me, I mean, granted the first and second periods. Uh, not a whole lot of bright spots uh, across the board from the Blackhawks here. But if you're talking about someone who had, uh, you know, player of the game uh, honors to be deserved here, even though he did not end up scoring a goal here, he did, you know, record an assist like we just said. Kirby Doc, man, um, th- this kid is maturing right before our eyes. 17:30 time on ice tonight, 2:25 on the power play. Uh, he was only 25% at the dot, but he had that assist uh, on that one goal and uh, four shots on goal. Um, excuse, actually, no, excuse me. Only one shot on goal. Um, in addition to that, uh, I was looking at the wrong column there, but, um, you, let's go back and talk about that play, Ron, uh, where he danced in through the zone. I guess it was kind of a clean entry. Uh, he had the puck on a stick and was able to come in one-on-one with the defender and, uh, absolutely undressed him, absolutely undressed him and route to the net and was not able to finish, uh, probably would have had to finish on his backhand there. If he was going to put it in past Daylock, who had kind of, uh, already cheated a little bit left, uh, and then to dive back, right. Uh, but Kirby doc was not able to complete that, but man, they were talking about it on the NBC sports broadcast, Ron, about that's, you know, one of the goals of the year. If he completes that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was. Just a beautiful, beautiful play. I mean, yeah, kind of undresses the defender there. Then he's coming in and he's got an opportunity and he goes to finish it on his back end and just doesn't get enough of it to beat Staylock. But 
um, that kind of dribbles wide. So, you know, he's, but he's looking confident and that's what I've liked about him. And I've had this conversation. I know we've had this conversation at times in our chats. I've had conversations with other people that are big Hawks fans, you know, that are friends of mine and, you know, everybody that we keep talking, you know, very impressed with Kirby Doc's game this year. Sure. The points aren't there maybe that everybody would have liked to have seen this year. Obviously, you know, anytime that you're a third overall pick, um, in any draft really, and you are still up with your team for the year, a lot of high expectations come along, but he's been unbelievable in the two way game this year. You know, he's had these moments of brilliance with these dangle moves. I think the best goal of the year that he scored was against Vegas when he kind of, uh, when he was still playing down on that fourth line, he kind of snuck in behind the D with his speed and finished uh, mm-hmm. top shelf. I mean, you know, he's showing that ability to be a playmaking forward while also still being a responsible two-way center. And, you know, you tweeted it, and we're absolutely right. You nailed that Mark Shifley comparison. I think mm-hmm. if he – hell, if he's anything close to what Mark Shifley is, a 75-point-a-year forward, that's that's worth the third overall pick. Yeah. Kirby Doc is a, a smash. And you know what? If I'm being completely honest, sure, the points might not be there. I, and I, I don't know what he compares to the other two. But I'd argue right now, of the top three picks from this past year's draft, he's played the best this season for his team. Yeah. And I mean, I know the situations are different uh, in a situation like New York uh, where they're rebuilding in New Jersey where they had high expectations and completely fell off. Uh, and other guys besides Jack who's were excited or expected to carry that thing uh, mm-hmm. out in Jersey. And he was just supposed to be a supplementary piece there. Um, but I agree with that sentiment that you had just laid out there, Ron. Uh, I would definitely say if you look at overall game and I know it's hard because you got to be watching every game and you got to get the full honest report uh, on the full game because the stats aren't going to tell you everything from a defensive side but you know th- there have been articles from guys like Ben Pope and Charlie Romeliotis the guys that are on this team every single day um, th- that are saying you know Kirby Doc is not technically the elite scorer yet that everyone thought he would be but he's becoming almost an elite defender and that's okay mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of where we're at with it and it's um, it's just interesting to see because I, I don't know if everyone predicted this. I guess you, you like you had said, just the expectations from a third overall pick. Uh, you're expecting scoring, you're expecting points, you're expecting flash, razzle dazzle, all of that good stuff. Uh, so he's shown flashes of being able to do both of that. Because if he finishes that thing this year, hell, we're, we're on probably talking about a Hawks winner right now, and we're also probably talking about one of the goals of the year uh, from mm-hmm. our rookie here, third overall pick. So uh, j- just wanted to highlight that on Kirby Doc here. But Ron, we need to move this thing on into overtime. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, I'd like to stay and talk about Kirby Doc as long as possible. But um, when you get to the end result of this game, uh, this thing went to overtime. Then um, Matt Dumba was able to win this for the Wild at the 221 mark of overtime. Uh, Jonathan Taves had had a chance just before that um, on the opposite end of the ice. I believe he hit crossbar. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, this game is a matter of inches. Hell, he does that if Taves nails that thing. We're talking about a Blackhawks winner here. We're talking about two points. But, hey, Ron, I can't say I hate silver linings, and I'm not going to take it. I don't think it's acceptable, you know, whatever. Definitely, you know, would have liked to see them win this game. And I would have liked to see them put in the effort in the first and second periods to end up winning this game. But that's besides the point here. When it comes down to desperation at the end of the day, I will take the one point for where we were at heading into this third period here. Um, we'll get your take on the overall and then break down the actual play going in. Uh, that <laughs> led to this goal by Matt Dumba here. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give my reaction, and then I'll, I'll happily give you a nice little lead into that last play because I have some pent up anger that I need to let go. But yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, overall, obviously, this game could have been a lot different. They could have been shut out two nothing, you know, to, or lost two one, and you know, we're sitting here talking. It's a day late, a dollar short. You know, one thing I have been very pleased with of this team is when they do come out and they play pretty pathetic in you know maybe the first period or the first and second period they have this just knack to rebound in the third you know as of late and, as of yes. late well it's yes. not and, that early in the season but yes no i, and, agree, I agree with you and even you know even at moments in the season where you know they weren't necessarily coming back to tie it per se and send the games to ot but they were still making a comeback you know they might have been down three and they score two and then they have an opportunity late this, this team this year has had a lot of fight in the third period, and that's been nice to see. And that still shows that, you know, that veteran leadership in the room still has some type of merit. You know, these guys coming out, just keeping everybody composed, even if it's just, you know, just that swagger, right? You know, hey, all right, let's go out there in the third period. Let's have a good period. Let's see what happens. And that's exactly what happened tonight. You know, they come out, they, they're playing with their balls, are on fire, and, you know, they score two goals and they send this overtime. They get a point that I would argue they shouldn't have gotten. You know, I'm and, with you. I'm with you. And agreed. I, you know, do I think it's acceptable? No, because you're. I think they're still the better team than Minnesota, but they just they flopped for two periods and they somehow you know got away with a point. But I agreed with you. You know that that two on one with Taves and Keith in the overtime. If Taves doesn't hit crossbar and that's you know an inch and a half lower, he's roofing it top shelf and we're getting out of here with a Blackhawks W. And uh, yeah, it is a game of inches, but. Um, <clears throat> You know, all right. I've let you build up the anger long yep. enough. Get into it. Yep. Let's roast Eric Gustafson here because oh I got some God. thoughts too. Go ahead, baby. I like I like Duncan Keith in overtime. I like Connor Murphy in overtime. Hell, at this point, I wouldn't even mind Adam Boakfist in overtime. But they need to just stop fucking putting Eric Gustafson out there in overtime. He just looks like a deer in the headlights half the time. You yep. know. And, and, and everybody's going to point to, well, Kane couldn't get the puck out of the zone when he was coming up the right wing ball. That whole sequence doesn't start if Eric Gustafson can make a simple fucking pass out of his own zone. Yeah. He's literally got a defenseman or guy in front of him one on one. He's got, I think, I think it was Taves was peeling back that he could have d- just dropped it off to if he wanted to. Or it was Kane or it was somebody. Maybe it was Strom even. And, you know, I or think it might have been just, Strom at that point, but yeah. I think I think it was Strom. Or he could have put it off the wall or off the glass and at least get it out of the fucking zone. No, he throws it right into the dude's skates in front of him. It's a turnover. Minnesota gets the puck. They gain possession, and then all of a sudden they go on this big circus, and then Dumbo comes off the bench, and he scores the fucking winner. Yeah. Ron, you know, in my uh, kind of – I agree with you. Honestly, I would have just settled for him chipping it off the boards, like you had said, up into the neutral zone. And okay, that's all right. If they come back in at you at speed, at least you had a chance to set up. At least you had a chance to set up. Instead, that pass that he makes, like you had said, where you know chips off of a skate and it goes up in the air. And you know what happens, Ron, when the puck goes up in the air? That's hang time. You know what happens during hang time? the other team has a chance to set up themselves in the offensive zone because that is where the puck is heading. They had the chance to set up exactly what they wanted to do there, run a three-man circus around the Blackhawks with a Jonathan Taves who's already tired out there on the opposite end of the ice. That's what drives me insane. Chip it off the boards. 
Get it out. Drop it to Strobe. They've done enough drop plays so far this season, Ron, that, that I would have just expected that one. But I would have preferred yeah. the chip uh, into the neutral zone uh, just to alleviate the pressure. Because, uh, hell, maybe you get one fresh body on. Who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going on over on the other side of the ice there? If Johnny Taves is right there, he looked dead tired after, you know, think about him going, you know, defending uh, back and forth in that zone because the Wild ended up five shots on zero uh, in overtime on this because crossbar doesn't count as a mm-hmm. shot on goal. So, you know, as much as you want to argue that it should be or should not be, um, you know, Johnny Taves going up and down the ice and going side to side, playing the center position there, having to defend both of those and then coming back. Um, he may have been able to get off, uh, get someone else fresher on uh, on that opposite side of the ice. So I just see multi levels to why this was so, uh, you know, just just blatantly bad uh, by Eric Gustafson there in overtime. And it's weird because there, I think there was an episode. If you go back and date me, obviously you've done a ton of these now. But mm-hmm. I, I believe me and Tony at one point were talking about um, preferring Eric Gustafson over like a Connor Murphy because Murphy had made some like similar mistakes, and we had said, okay, well at least Eric Gustafson has a better knack for you know he is a puck possession guy that's his game if there's one thing he can do he can do that well uh in the tight spaces obviously not the case tonight no and he's you know he's really never been good when he's got to be one-on-one with a defender you know if you look at most of his offensive production it comes off of you know either that pass from the point in his in the offensive zone to a winger or somebody that's going to be open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's that lead pass out of a zone. He usually, again, as long as he's not super pressured, can make a pretty good first pass out of the zone. But whenever it comes to him just trying to be one-on-one, I don't know if it's him just trying to do too much. I don't know what it is, but it, every single time, it's almost like, and you just expect it. You know, it's like yeah. the uh, the Final Destination movies, when, like, they'll be in the warehouse and you see like the tar on the floor and like the nail gun sitting on the box and you just immediately know what's going to happen. <laughs> it, it's kind of like that with Gustafson when he's got the puck and there's a defender on him one-on-one. I literally yeah. just sit there and I go, I, I literally and that on that play too, I thought to myself, I'm like, he's going to throw this right into that dude's skates and sure as shit he did. And I'm like, you just, at least you don't disappoint me because I know what's going to happen. Yeah, and yeah then that's it, true leads to the nonsense and it just frustrates the shit. If honestly, you know what? It frustrates the hell out of me because they did come back and tie it and they had the momentum going into that overtime period. And you know, this, that, and the other, and just, uh, and yeah, sure. Did they get outplayed in that overtime? Yeah. But obviously, like you said, they could have, could have won it on the tape shot. Um, you know, I, I'd argue if they maybe, maybe, you know, get let Kane, you know, come back on a drop pass and just give him some space and speed. Maybe he makes something happen. Who knows? Who knows what happens? Obviously mm-hmm. we could hear, we could sit here and play the shoulda, coulda, woulda, what if game all night long. But yeah, overall, you know, am I, am I pleased with the point? Yes. Do I think they should have won? Absolutely. And, you know, and for them to have played as bad as they did for two periods and to still think, you know what, this team still had a legitimate shot at winning this game. Um, you know, I, I'm at least, again, we're not going to call it a silver lining, but at least I am pleased in that sense. Uh, I'm also pleased with Kirby Doc's play and him getting 17 minutes tonight that I'm also pleased with. So if nothing else, I will take the individual game from Kirby Doc and enjoy that. Um, but 
Johnny, you and I have gotten to do a lot of back-to-backs, and for some reason, this team is really good when they got to play against them. They are. They are, Ron, and uh, that's exactly where they find themselves uh, tomorrow night, back-to-back games. Uh, finally, uh, you know, they've had enough time off to where there should be no rust whatsoever, uh, even with the travel in between here. They are back home uh, on NBC Sports that um, tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins, 7 p.m. puck drop from the United Center in Chicago. Um, you got a hot Boston team coming into town, Ron. Uh, they are winners of four straight. They've knocked off the Knights 3-2, Winnipeg 2-1, dismantled the Wild 6-1 on Saturday, and then most recently uh, tonight uh, it knocked off the Vancouver Canucks um, by a score of 4 to nothing. shut out there in that one. So um, that is where the Boston Bruins stand coming in here. Obviously, they're a one of the best teams in, in hockey this year, no doubting that. Uh, plenty of talent up and down uh, that lineup there. Um, they're streaking. They are in command of their own destiny uh, out in the East, whereas the Blackhawks have to play desperate uh, to get to where they want to be here uh, in the Western Conference. So uh, going to be a tough test here um, against the Bruins. Uh, what are your initial thoughts here going into this one, Ron? Yeah, the Bruins are a scary team, and you know we all know that the Bruins are a scary team. Um, they have a lot of talent. Obviously, David Pasternak is an incredible player. Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, even though he's a scumbag, is a really good player. Um, you know, the list goes on and on with the depth on that team. I, I think the one thing that I have any sense of optimism in this game is the fact that just the Hawks play really well on a back-to-back. You know, and you mentioned Boston just played Vancouver tonight. Were they in Vancouver? No, they were at home. Okay, they were in Boston. Okay. Um, You know, still a little bit of a longer flight to Chicago than Minnesota is. Um, I don't think it makes all that much of a difference, granted. But, you know, if if Boston's coming in and they're, you know, they're playing Halak and, you know, they are a little tired and this Blackhawks team comes out and plays like they do on these back-to-backs, especially at home, maybe they can squeak one out. They beat Boston in Boston earlier in the season. Call it whatever you want to call it, a fluke, you know, um, just a a lucky game, whatever. I don't care what you want to call it. They still beat them. And that that was a Blackhawks team that was not playing as well as they have been lately. So, you know, I'm going to sit here with a cautious optimism. Um, And I say cautious just because, like you said, Boston is one of the best teams in the NHL. And, you know, you mentioned that dismantling that they had of Minnesota, uh, six to one Minnesota team that just beat the Blackhawks tonight in overtime. So, you know, all things considered. But Robin Lehner will return to the net tomorrow. Um, you know, the clear number one goalie of the yeah. future. He, he should be re-signed for whatever he wants. Um, so on and so forth. But, you know, he'll be yeah, back in I, the net. I, I, I got a lineup question here for you, Ron. Um, yeah. With Slater Cuckoo's kind of two screw-ups in the last couple of games and I guess overall you know this kind of is contradicting that our point we made on four feathers that before the all-star break he was uh in a trend of playing better and looking better with Olimata on that third pair um we've seen him get turned around uh and that's just himself getting uh you know beat positionally in the center of the ice whether that be uh coming up a wing on Saturday night with Alex Galchenyuk uh racing in behind him or uh tonight with um I forget who he let in but in that third period one of the only grade A chances that the Minnesota Wild had uh was due to a Slater Cuckoo slip up at center ice do we see newly acquired picked up off of waivers Nick Sealer draw in for Slater Cuckoo tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins 
I think it's worth a shot. I mean, you pick the guy up off of waivers for a reason. You didn't pick him up off of waivers to have him up for, you know, because I believe the rule is if you claim a guy off waivers, he has to play 10 games before he can be sent down or be on the roster for 30 days. You're not just going to let him sit there and just waste away for him to go play in Rockford for the rest of the season. You might as well use him. You know, Slater Cuckoo, like you said, has struggled the last two games. He only played 15 minutes tonight. That was the lowest of any Blackhawks defenseman. The next lowest was like 18 and some change, and that was Boakvist. Everybody else played above 18 minutes. So, you know, clearly he was out of favor with Colleton. It's a back-to-back. You know, I think it's the perfect opportunity to get Sealer in. Plus, it's at home. Um, it would have been cool to see Sealer play tonight because obviously he was claimed from Minnesota. I think that would have been a neat little thing for him. Um, but I get it. They wanted to roll with the momentum coming off a win against Arizona, so so be it. Um, but I think it's a perfect opportunity for Sealer to draw in, let him play uh, with Mata on that third pairing. Maybe that third pairing looks really good tomorrow. Sealer's just a good stay-at-home guy. That's exactly what he's defined as. So it's okay to have two of those guys on the same pairing and, you know, and let him and Mata play some some third pair tomorrow. So I think that's a good opportunity for him to come in. And then obviously having, excuse me, having Robin Lehner at home against the Bruins is also a, a key uh, piece of the lineup. So I'm not going to say I feel like, oh, gosh, yes, the Blackhawks are going to win. But I, they certainly are not totally out of it in this game at home with your better or your two goaltenders and a team that just plays miraculously well in the second game back-to-backs. Yeah, so uh, they can do themselves some themselves some favors uh, tomorrow night, Ron. Um, I believe they are one of the only two games going on uh, on Wednesday night hockey, and right now um, picking up the point was huge tonight. Uh, we had talked about you know no silver linings here, but uh, if we're going to look at this thing standing wise, uh, Western Conference wild card here, Calgary uh, in the top spot with sixty points right now, Arizona in the second spot with fifty nine, Nashville uh, at three. They're right outside of there with 57. Blackhawks at 57 right behind them. Winnipeg with 57 um, right behind the Blackhawks, all 57 there, but varying win and loss totals there uh, that see them the way that they are right now. Uh, Minnesota with 54 now um, uh, points uh, right below Winnipeg in that sixth spot technically uh, behind the wild card there. So, um, you know, Blackhawks can do themselves a favor tomorrow night. I want to say that the other game does not even affect uh, the Western Conference standings tomorrow night. You know, it's another East Coast game with the Leafs and Rangers. So, hell, uh, you know, we talk about this and sure other teams will make it up on Thursday or Friday whenever they play in the Blackhawks. Don't play again until Sunday when they're at Winnipeg. But um, they can do themselves a favor and the visuals look good. You feel better about yourself when you're sitting up there, uh, especially when you do it against a really good team like Boston Bruins. So Ron, let's get into who we think is going to get it done. Hit me with your stick to click uh, for the Blackhawks Bruins game on Wednesday, February 5th. Yeah, 100%. Just really quick note before I give you my stick to click Uh, tomorrow night. Great night for hockey in the NHL. All four teams in play original six franchises. Boston plays Chicago. Toronto plays New York. So um, for the crazy hockey fans like ourselves, um, that'll certainly be a fun night of hockey to watch. Obviously, we'll be tuned into the Blackhawks, but anybody that can watch more than one game should definitely tune into both of these games, in my opinion. Now, I'm telling you, this is tough. There's two names I have in mind. They both had their ninth assists tonight. So that should give a little bit of a hint of who I'm leaning between. Brandon Saad's been an absolute force since coming off of injury. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure, like you said, I think he's tallied points in every single game since returning. Um, most notably, two goals against the Coyotes on Saturday. Another assist tonight against the Minnesota Wild. But I'm going to go with the big old six foot four rookie center from uh, Saskatoon Blades. Uh, I'm going to go with Kirby Doc. I think he's just going to keep rolling. Um, you know, 46 games so far this year. He's got 16 points. However, of those 16 points, I think like six or seven of them have come in like the last five games. I mean, he's he's got at least one point in every single game since I think the 19th of January. And prior to or, and then in that kind of selection of games, he had one game with two points. So, um, you know, he, he's just been the hot hand right now and he looks like a, a man possessed. Um, you know, Tony mentioned it in our, our four feathers chat tonight. Just doc just looks unbelievable. He's a man on a mission. You know, you can tell he's really settling in and getting comfortable now. And especially when you can play him at home and you can pick the matchup that you want him to go against. I think they have a good opportunity to get him some favorable matchups against some Boston Bruin lines that they think he can do some damage against with his size and his, you know, two way game. And I think he uh, he gets out there and maybe tallies his eighth goal of the season and maybe adds another assist. I would love to see it, Ron. I will be in attendance. So I hope Kirby Doc, um, you know, does the job. But one guy that I think will get it done. Uh, and I love this guy because he is, yes, also a rookie, but he seems fearless. And his style of game allows him to play well against any team, any team they can match up with. Uh, he can do speed. Uh, he can do the body battles. Um, and he's just got great hands overall. Dominic Kubalik is that man I'm talking about. He was a minus one in 1647 time on ice tonight. Um, only one shot on goal. That's a quiet game for Dominic Kubalik uh, so far, mm-hmm. Ron. And he is another one who has been hot as of late. We've talked about all the trends. Kubalik for Calder, all of that good stuff. Um, all of you know how he has been lighting the NHL on fire, really, because he was not someone who's expected to uh, be as impactful as he has been. Uh, I, I just like his game against the Boston Bruins team, where you have to be a little bit of an asshole. Uh, I'll be honest with you; that's how you have to play against the Bruins. You got to be a little bit of an asshole because every single one of them is a massive asshole. So um, they're all go out and get it done. Dominic Kubalik, box. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it, Ron. Uh, you know, <laughs> but box him out. Create space for yourself in front of the net. If there's someone who can do that, uh, Dominic Kubalik. I, I like to get a rebound goal tomorrow night, so that's why I'm going to go with him as stick to click. So, um, Ron, final thoughts before we close this one out? Yeah, um, just really quick, uh, a fun little fact that even though he hasn't played in God knows how long, uh, Calvin DeHaan still has the best plus minus on the team. I think that's kind of a funny little stat. He was a plus 10. <laughs> Um, and he's still the, he's the only player in double digits. So, uh, showing how much they miss him on the back end, but, um, excited for tomorrow because I like how the Blackhawks play off the of back-to-backs, a very good test here in the Boston Bruins. Happy Robin Laner is going to inevitably return to the net. Um, and I am on Robin Laner contract watch. I'm hoping he gets extended sooner than later. Um, you know, there's been rumblings all over the place that he's really looking to take fair money. Um, I, the, the thing I've seen kind of out in the Twitterverse is seven by seven, uh, with, uh, three years of a no move in the beginning of the contract. So you get him three years, no move until he's what? 31. Yeah. He's 28 right now. Yeah. And if the, if you know, this franchise in three years is an absolute garbage fire and he doesn't want to be here anymore, you trade him. No big deal. And that's a movable contract in three years when, you know, inevitably the cap continues to increase. So that's my closing thoughts. I'm on laner contract watch. 
And I hope the Hawks play like they always do on the second game of a back-to-back because if they do, they could easily come out with a win tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, reminder, game is at 7 p.m., not 7.30 p.m. Uh, like they usually are at home. So 7 p.m. And that game is on NBC Sports Network, not NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, just a reminder for our listeners out there. want to keep you informed on that front. Um, second of all, um, you know, no games until Sunday after this one. So, you know, you already had a break a little bit. You know, you, we were on a long break, you know, a week and a half plus before uh, the Saturday game against Arizona. You had two more days in between. So one against Minnesota, unfortunately, weren't able to come, in, uh, come out and uh, pull out two points. But at least you got one. Let's get two. And then, you know, you got three days off. They're at Winnipeg Sunday night. Um, so they just balls to the wall. That's it. And you're going to need it against the Boston Bruins team. Uh, that is just, you know, uh, they, they got goal scorers plenty. So uh, limit their chances. And I would love to see a Robin Leonard shutout talking about um, mm. the guy that you were just, you know, he, you know, Crow's the only Blackhawks goalie at the shutout this year. And I believe he only has one. Um, yep. I know it's just not typical of the Blackhawks to give up plenty of chances, at least uh, earlier in the season. There was, you know, chances of plenty uh, for opponents against us lately. They've been limiting them better. But if they could come out and do that against a team like Boston, that would be a massive statement. So um, I would love to see it. So, Ron, let's close this thing out like we always do. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.